This is a really good college basketball game that's on here, this UConn and Xavier game. Xavier's a tough place to play. I know they're just like 500 team right now, and UConn's one of the top five teams in the country. They might not get out of there alive tonight, UConn. This is a great game, a very physical game that's being played. It is uh, almost midway through the second half, and it's just still – it's in the 50s. Uh, man, what a – it is a, a slugfest. 412-928-9370 is that number, 412-928-9370. All right, let's talk some – let's talk some – let's talk some football coaching. I couldn't spit it out. But there, I did. Let's talk about Belichick, and let's talk about Pete Carroll in particular. There's well, you know what's crazy is there's one play that intertwines these two, and it is right here. Play clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal. Malcolm Butler, who almost made the phenomenal play. That wound up in Percy's arms. There are flags on the field for a celebration. Amazing. Butler, a rookie free agent out of West Alabama. They try to pick play out. They tried to go here, but he beats him to the punch. And I'm sorry, but I can't believe the call. Me neither. I cannot believe the call. You've got Marshawn Lynch in the backfield. You've got... A guy that's been borderline unstoppable in this part of the field. I can't believe the call. And there is Brady. <laughs> as demonstrative as ever. Four-point game at that time. About a minute left. Uh, under a minute left. In Seattle on the doorstep. And they don't give Marshawn Lynch the football. In the Super Bowl to potentially go ahead and close the door. Because Brady wasn't, as much as Brady is great, I don't know if he's going all the way down the field with like 30 seconds left. All right, let's talk about Carroll to start. Because there's news with Pete Carroll, he's retiring. Or at least he's been pushed out the door in Seattle. Carroll's one of those guys with a resume right around Bill Cowers. Okay? So, by virtue of that, yeah, should he be in the Hall of Fame? Some will say, yeah, right? Look at Bill Cower. Bill Cower's in the Hall of Fame. So Pete Carroll has a resume about to match. He probably should be in the Hall of Fame. Pete Carroll's a 500 coach in the postseason, 11 and 11. He's got one Super Bowl, and he's you know he's the VP of football operations up there, and he assembled that team and he got that win. It is tough, really tough, for me to say Pete Carroll is a Hall of Fame coach. I know that people will say that he is. And look, Cowher's record was 149-90-1. 149-90-1. Pete Carroll's is 170-120-1. So, Cowher had a better winning percentage at 62%. Carroll's at 59%. Pretty similar. Again, each with one Super Bowl. Cowher 12-9 in the postseason. Pete Carroll, 11 and 11. So pretty close. Cower, probably a better coach if you look at the numbers, right? Just better. Cower, a guy that gets into the Hall of Fame. I don't know if it was a landslide. It was it touch, not touch and go, but he made it in. Here's why I'd say Pete Carroll is not a slam dunk. 
that clip that I just played right there was one of the most um, was one of the pinnacle moments of his career. One in which you needed to rely on a coach and a coaching staff because co- players don't unilaterally call their plays, right? He made the worst decision possible in one of, if not the biggest moment of his career. Ball on the doorstep, one-yard line. Marshawn Lynch, as you heard Collinsworth say right there, maybe the best short yardage back in the game at that point. And he decided, and I don't care if it was his offensive coordinator, I don't care who he wants to push the blame to, he decided, because he is the head coach, he has veto power, to not run the football there and try to run it in. They threw the football. They tried an inside route. It gets tipped. It gets picked. Game over. Forget it. Legacy tarnished. Should be two Super Bowls. It's just one. Because of that singular decision, I don't know if he should be in the Hall of Fame. We celebrate people. And here's where I think that my argument comes into full focus. When somebody is faced with a gigantic moment, a a moment where there's a crossroad in their career, and they make a great play, they make a great decision, they step up and they make the exact coaching move or the exact move as a player that you have to make to push you over the top. We celebrate the hell out of that moment. And we say, that right there is their signature moment as a coach or as a player or as whatever. And without that moment, as they did it right there, with that moment, that's what propelled them to Hall of Fame status. Or that is what we remember them by all the time. So let's spin it this way. When a person is in that moment, and they fail, and they don't do it, and it's not something to where they were faced with a jump shot and they just missed the jump shot because their legs were tired. Or they were faced with a 35-yard pass, and they just missed the receiver because he was covered. When they mentally, from a football acumen standpoint, made the wrong decision, why shouldn't I be as critical of them as I would be celebratory of them on the other side if they made the right decision? And that's exactly where I am with Carroll with this. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer because of this one moment. He's right on the border, right on the cusp of being a pro football Hall of Famer as a coach with his numbers. But because of that, I don't necessarily think, I don't necessarily think he's in. That's one in which is the easiest decision to make. If you're somebody who plays video games, I don't. But if you're somebody who's a video game player, I would venture a guess that when you get the football down on the one-yard line and you're playing in a video game tournament or you're just playing with your buddies down the street or they don't do that anymore. You play online. You don't even have to meet to play video games against each other anymore, which blows me away. But let's say that you're playing against your buddies and it is for all the marbles. There's cash involved or just big-time bragging rights. And the football is traversed all the way down to the one-yard line. And you have a back like... Uh, Marshawn Lynch on your team, and you're 10 years old, you know the thing to do is just push forward, shove forward, get in the end zone, get your points, get ahead, win the football game. 
The fact that one of the people identified as the 32 best people in that moment in the world at doing what they're supposed to be doing, and that's an NFL coach, didn't know to do that, I don't want to crush the guy. I I mean, I don't want to say that that moment is the only moment that marks his career. But, like, we're all big boys here. Why can't that be a huge demerit for him and a gigantic demerit in a moment to where you say, I have to give it pause before I think that Pete Carroll's a Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah, why? Well, in the Super Bowl, he had a legacy moment, and he failed. He failed big time. It wasn't even that he called the play and it didn't work and the guy got stuffed, or it wasn't that he threw... He threw something wide and tall and for a big-time tall receiver, and it was either my guy caught it or it frittered out of bounds, and that was it. A big outside route, an alley-oop, if you will. It wasn't even that. He gave the other team a chance to win the football game whenever the probability was not good. Probably about 10% at that point. And he made it. 90. He flipped it around the other way by a boneheaded decision. So when you ask me, and it's just a matter of opinion at 412-928-9370, the definition, the definition of a Hall of Fame guy, I don't know if I can get there with Pete Carroll. I just can't. Now we talk about the other guy embroiled here, and that's Belichick. Belichick is someone who we'll have a different discussion on. And the discussion for Belichick when he retires, when he resigns, when he's done, when he's finished, and he'll probably be finished in Boston pretty soon, is they're going to latch on to Vrabel, is this. Is he the greatest of all time? He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. The discussion will be, is he the greatest of all time? His legacy and his discussion is different because it's this. I don't know how much he cheated. So if somebody were ever to ask me, and they're not going to ask me, but let's say somebody did, compile your greatest coaches of all time. Give me a list of your greatest coaches of all time. You know what I'd say? I don't know where to put Belichick. You know, I hear people, people right here on this station, Goat. He's a goat. Oh, he's the goat. But Barry Bond's a big cheater. Well, like, you can't have it both ways. You know? Belichick gained from cheating. Or he wouldn't have done it. I don't know if they gained, I say this all the time, a yard. I don't know if they gained a point. I don't know if they gained a thousand yards or a thousand points via cheating. What I do know is this. Both of those were greater than one or he wouldn't have done it. Greater than one point and greater than one yard. Or he wouldn't have done it. So with all that said, whenever they the, have the discussions, and they're coming down the pike, and they're coming pretty soon, about who the greatest of all time is, it might already be case closed for you. You might already think you don't have to coach another game. Bill Belichick's the greatest of all time. I can't get there with him. I punt on that conversation. I can't have him in it. I don't want to have it with him in it. Because you know what? 
I don't know where to put him because he's a situation unlike so many others. It's just like the Pete Carroll situation with the Hall of Fame. What other coach had a total gaff bonehead move in the biggest game of their life and cost his team a world championship? Not a lot of them. Pete Carroll. So whenever you get into that, they both have unique situations that for me are tough to reconcile. Very tough to reconcile. Hard for me, impossible probably. To get to the point where I call Belichick the greatest of all time because of all the clouds surrounding him. And hard for me, almost impossible for me to reconcile. Saying that Pete Carroll is a Hall of Fame coach because he had it right there for him and couldn't get it done. Your call's next, 412-928-9370. We take you up until 1030. They are back at the scorer's table at the Xavier and UConn basketball game where they've been about 30 times because now some guy's bleeding from his head. I told you it was going to be a bloodbath. It is absolutely nuts in this basketball game. We'll take your calls next, 412-928-9370 here on The Fan. All right, 412-928-9370 is that number. That's 412-928-9370. I'll tell you this. There is nothing like the remote starter for a car. That is, that's one of the inventions that is that has changed the world for me. Totally changed the world for me. By the way, I mean what I said, and uh, Charlie Borg just put up a great video for, uh, he's producing tonight from earlier about – these gambling experts. It is laughable how many people are self-proclaimed gambling experts and they never show what their record is. They don't. They offer all these ad- this advice on social media and they tell you all their picks and they give you their hot picks or whatever in like a la carte form. They'll pop in and they'll tell you this and that and whatever. And they don't give you like a season total or they don't even give you a weekly total. And then if they guess, if they if they have a pick and their games are wrong, they just never revisit it. They think it's just going to go away. That is hilarious. Hilarious. I forget how I even got into that. Oh, we were talking about gambling. We were talking about, uh, it seems like, and tell me if you feel this way. There are an inordinate amount of Western Pennsylvanians or maybe just people who are um, inhabitants of Steeler Nation who seem to be offended that the line right now has the Steelers as 10-point dogs. You know, there's nothing personal. It's like one, like this disrespect card, the Steelers against the world. It's very That has been one of the things I never thought would happen over the first three days of the run-up to this football game, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. The line came out. And I've heard calls to this station. I've seen it on social media. I've heard people say it. Yeah, there's no respect for the Steelers, and it's going to be cold. Well, you know, like, the Bills aren't from Barbados. They're from Buffalo. They know how to play in the cold, too. I'd love to find a way, and I guess this is the crux of it, to talk my way into finding out a way where the Steelers have a better chance than the rest of the people in this country not in Pittsburgh think. But I I can't do it. I can't. I'd love to say there's some angle that I see here where I got the Steelers winning this game. 
I, I give the Steelers a 31% chance to win the game. If they played this football game 100 times, Buffalo would win 69% of the time. Steelers would win 31% of the time. And that's generous for me. I don't even know if I believe that. I don't. I don't know if I believe that fully. I think that might be pretty high, to be honest with you. I might have to scale back on that. But that would be my number. I Every analyst that I've seen nationally, there's not one that has the Steelers winning this game. Not one. But then I turn on the radio and listen to the station here, and people seem to be, like, affronted and offended and mad that the national analysts aren't picking the Steelers. Like, somebody said to you, we're not picking the peewee team that your kid plays on. It, that, to me, is interesting. So if you feel that way, and there are a lot of people that feel that way locally, what edge do the Steelers have? Do they have the run game edge over the Bills linebackers? Do you think the Steelers have an offensive line edge over the Bills defensive front? You don't think that the Steelers have a defensive backfield edge. They certainly don't have a quarterback edge because Josh Allen will screw it up and then he'll figure out a way to make it all right. They don't have a receiver edge, do they? They don't have the special teams edge, although Boswell's very good, so they might. Who knows? Well, they don't even know what punter they're going to use. They signed Brad Wing today, so maybe they're going to go to a backup punter. Like, what edge? If you are, t- they are losing or not playing with the best defensive player on the planet, some think. Some others think he's not even a first-teamer, which is weird. We could discuss that. But they're playing without T.J. Watt. So the one definitive, no-brainer, without question edge that they did have is not going to be on the football field. That, to me, is glaring and obvious. So when I hear the belly aching from local fans, like, I'd love to participate. I'd love to have your back. I'd love to say, hey, You know what? I feel you. I'm a Pittsburgher too. I get it. I understand it. We're all in cahoots. We all are right there, arm in arm together, and I can feel your pain. But with this one, here's the thing. I don't think it's going to take the Steelers just playing a great game in order for in order for them to win. I think it's going to be a crashing of perfect circumstance. What is this? Which is this? The Steelers playing a really good game, close to a perfect game, if not a perfect game, along with Buffalo screwing it up somehow. Not one of those two things have to happen. Both of those things have to happen in lockstep and in unison for the Pittsburgh Steelers to win. That's just where I am with it. But we we do take it personal. And that is always so strange to me, the way that people think that, you know, maybe it's other fan bases too, but it probably is, both in college and in pros, all of it. The whole, they don't like us. So if you think that the Pittsburgh Steelers are a 10-point underdog and that's not justified, right? Who do you think is out to get you? Is it... The bookmakers? Or is it the people that talk about this? Is it people in Las Vegas? Is it people at the Rivers? Is it where is where are those people? And more so, push it one more step forward. 
what vested interest would they have to make Pittsburgh mad? I just like to logically talk about people's problems when they have them. So, go ahead and tell me that. Like, who are those people, okay, in particular? And then, what do they have to gain or what would they get by making you upset? By saying, hey, here's how we're really going to spin, turn Pittsburgh on its ear. We're going to put the screws to them. They're really probably a six and a half point dog. But when I come out with the number, know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make him a 10-point underdog. You know, that would lose them money. They're going to set the line exactly where they think it is. Or if you're a national pundit, and it's not about gambling, it's just about talking about this game, right? And somebody asks you, who do you think is going to win this football game? What do you have to gain by not giving your honest opinion? That's the other part. There's not always an aggrieved party here, okay? And in the run-up to this football game, that's something that I've understood. And it's something I always understand, especially when there's one heavy underdog or one team that's really got an uphill battle. The us against the world thing ain't always true. Sometimes one team, at least walking in the door, is just way better or a touch better or decently better than that other team. And the truth is just that. And I think with this football game, that's where it is. That doesn't mean the Pittsburgh Steelers can't win because weather is an evening evening factor, not evening like tonight, like evening, like making it equal. An evening factor and weather is going to be a real factor here and weather could cause things to happen that you never see. Guys on waltzing on their way into the end zone, they drop the football. Wide open guys not catching passes. Fumbles galore all over the place. And that evens things up. It sure as heck does. But if you don't have that takeover, I don't know how if you play straight up football, the Pittsburgh Steelers go ahead and they beat the Buffalo Bills. I don't. And that's nobody with a bone to pick the Pittsburgh. That's nobody that's out to get us or out to get you. That's just people looking at this game logically. We don't always need to wear a, woe is me, I'm the victim, I can't believe they didn't give us respect kind of card. We don't always have to do that. Sometimes that's just the facts, Jack. And that's where I am with this game. It is going to take, one, the Steelers probably playing over their head, and two, Buffalo probably screwing up here and there, in order for the Steelers to get a win. It's been wonderful. It has been great. It has been fun. Now, tomorrow, slight change in the schedule. I'll be back tomorrow, but Jeff Capel show, 6 to 7. So I'll be on from 7 until 10.35 tomorrow. 10.30, excuse me. 7 till 10.30, and then I'm off Friday. I'm off Monday. I can't wait. We will talk tomorrow, 7 p.m. here on The Fan.